Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Continue on talking about faith, speaking faith-filled words over ourselves, our situations, our families, our churches, and, and uh, there we go. And a little bit about prayer tonight. And open your Bibles. You'll want to write this down because it's a pretty uh, obscure passage. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For assuredly, this is Jesus saying, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things, which, the things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, what, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Uh, it's so interesting. This, of course, this is the uh, foundation verse of Rhema, Brother Hagin's testimony. This is the verse he stood on that raised him up off the bed of sickness uh, after all those years. And uh, there's so much faith jammed into those two verses. And I was very, very curious to see uh, what the there's a great uh, Bible Hub is is a great website. If you if you type in if you, you you see a verse maybe you're reading you're in your devotional time you come you you see something that's a little bit ah these thank you uh, a little bit confusing and you just kind of want to get the, some scholarly take on it. Go to Bible Hub if you just type in the verse like I would type in Mark eleven twenty three commentary and it's usually the first hit Bible Hub and it gives you commentaries on that verse. Uh, or maybe that passage from several different commentators down through the years. And I kind of wanted to see what they had to say about this verse. And uh, a lot of them didn't have much to say at all. Uh, but, but one of them, I, I really should have printed it out, said, obviously the application here is spiritual. This is not for uh, physical uh, issues or surroundings, and it's clearly not about literal mountains. He's talking about spiritual things here. And that, of course, is kind of the fallback position of a lot of uh, cessationists, people who are anti-word of faith particularly, who say that this, this verse obviously doesn't mean what it clearly says. We'll just, whatever it says, healing, for instance, sure, uh, God heals, but he heals either eventually or spiritually. Healing is not a promise we can claim for our sick bodies right now. That's not what it means. And it's a silly, it's a, it's a ridiculous position to take. It takes uh, uh, a lot of mental gymnastics to try to make the, the passage say something it doesn't. But what is Jesus saying here? Had an interesting conversation with Dad a couple times about this passage because in verse 23, he's saying, uh, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, if you don't doubt in your heart, Okay, but then the next verse is, therefore, when you pray, well, what, what does speaking to the mountain have to do with praying? Where's the connection there? What did Jesus say about prayer? And you remember the context here, I think. Uh, Jesus had uh, spoken to this fig tree. What, day before or that morning, Ramus student? Day before, they were walking by the fig tree and there were no figs on it. And there's a whole discussion there. Don't worry about it because it says it wasn't the season for figs. There was something that he should have been able to eat off this tree. And he curses it, saying, may no man ever eat fruit from you again. And they walk on. He cleanses the temple. And as they're walking back, the disciples say, Master, look, the tree that you cursed is withered. They're amazed. 
You know, they didn't see it wither the moment he spoke it, but we know that death was working in the roots of that tree uh, as soon as he spoke it, and it was manifested the next day. The fig tree that you cursed is withered away, and this was his answer. Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray... Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, I think the connection here, this is one connection. It's certainly not the only way of looking at it. Uh, But if a mountain, having no ears or no brain or no means of locomotion, according to Jesus, will move at your command, if it is a faith-filled command, if you don't doubt in your heart, how much more will God respond to his children who come to him in faith Asking for things he has promised. If a mountain that has no will or intelligence or means of locomotion will move at your command, doesn't mean, not comparing, we are not ordering it. We don't speak to God like we speak to the mountain. But if by speaking to a mountain will cause a mountain to move, how much more will God respond to us, his children, when we are asking for things he has already promised us? And where does that assurance come from? Because that's the key. How can we have that kind of, that complete faith, not doubting? How can we have the assurance that the mountain will move when we speak to it? If we don't doubt, how how do we not doubt in our heart? And that, that assurance can only come from the revealed will of God. You cannot just decide to move a mountain on a whim. All right? That's the control passage in that scripture. You can't doubt in your heart. But wrapped up in that, we can't just look at this scripture isolated. We see what the other scriptures say about this. Well, how can we not doubt in our heart? Well, where does faith begin? Faith begins where the will of God is known. In other words, if God has somehow in his written word or through a prophetic word or in your heart, if he has communicated to you that he wants this mountain moved and he wants you to speak to it, then you can have that assurance that if I speak to that mountain, it will move. All right? But this difference between praying and speaking, I want to look at a couple of different passages here. We looked at them before. Uh, I'm not sure if this was all at once or if it was while we were going through the Bible. But anyway, we're going to look at a couple all at once tonight. I mean, not all at once, but all in one sermon. In Joshua chapter 10, this is the, uh, remember when they, they were just moving into land, they made a treaty with the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were their neighbors, but they, they were part of the people that they were supposed to drive out of the land. But they disguised themselves as people from a far country and uh, pretended that they had traveled. You know, they, they wore dirty old clothes and packed moldy bread and say, we came from a long way away and we just want to enter in a treaty with you in case some of these bad guys that we know God's given you this land. But if any of these nasty people come over to our country, we want to be allies with you. So they enter into this treaty and then they find out that they were They've been deceived, but they've already entered this treaty. And then the Gibeonites are attacked. They call for Joshua and the Israelites. The Israelites, honoring their treaty, come and fight for the Gibeonites. And in the middle of it, and there's this great slaughter. And God sends hailstones, and the hailstones are killing more people than the soldiers are. But they're running out of daylight. And Joshua, it says, 
in uh, chapter 10, verse 12, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. It said at the end of that verse, the sun did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. It's one of the, a very notable miracle. But it says, Joshua spoke with the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the, uh, the Amorites, and he said in the sight of the people. Now there's two ways of looking at that passage. When he's said in the sight of the people, is this what he's speaking to the Lord? What, he's not speaking to the people, and he's not addressing God. He's speaking to the sun and the moon. Sun, stand still. Moon, stand still. Day, stop. Give me enough daylight to finish this battle is the heart of his prayer. Is this when he's speaking to the Lord? Is this, or the other one, and the one I kind of side with is, he spoke to the Lord first and then came out and made this declaration to the sun and the moon. He got God's will. He got a word from the Lord who said, what you, you know, Joshua's like, I'm running out of time here. I know I'm supposed to slay these people, God. And God says, you speak to the sun, you speak to the moon, and I'll stop them. So he does. This is, this is my take on it. Or this could just be a type of prayer that we're not familiar with. You know, we typically, oh, oh God, please do this. And this prayer might have been, hey, I'm standing in faith, filled with the Spirit of God, and I'm going to speak to the sun and the moon and trust that God is backing me. Similarly, it says, uh, we're going to be flipping back and forth between old and new here. If you want to just uh, read along on the screen, that's fine. If you can flip fast, flip to uh, James chapter 5, verse 17 where it says, uh, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So let's go back and read this prayer. 1 Kings chapter 17. Verse 1 it says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. That's, you, you can scour the verses before that. We don't see an instance where Elijah is praying to God, asking him to cause the drought. We don't see where God tells him to proclaim this. We see this proclamation. Now, is this the prayer? I don't think it is. I think we can infer that Elijah prayed and got this word from God so that he could go before Ahab and said, I'm going to pray that there's no rain, or, or that he prayed in Ahab's presence. No, he got the will of God first, and then he spoke to the king, and essentially at the same time spoke to the heavens. In fact, he said, essentially, I got with God, he gave me his will. I spoke to the rain, and it, or I spoke to the heavens, and it's not going to rain until I say. And then later, says, you know, when James says he prayed again and it rained, we don't see that prayer either. He, it just says, whoa, I, I, I hear the sound of, of, a, of a mighty storm. A, a storm's coming. Elijah prophesied the rain, but we don't see him praying for the rain. But he spoke in both instances, and the rain stopped for three and a half years, and then it rained again. But I believe the safe inference, the correct inference, is to see that these people spent time with God first, got his will, and then spoke it. 
They didn't stop at praying about it. They heard from God, spoke to the circumstances. This is faith, and this is what Jesus is talking about, I believe. Probably my favorite scripture that ties all of these together is 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Beginning in verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Now that that kind of gathers all of that together, doesn't it? If God hears my prayers, he answers them. And I know he hears my prayers if I ask according to his will. You see the importance of knowing his will. You can't believe you have received something just because you desire it. Jesus does talk about our desires here, doesn't he? In, in Mark chapter 11, 23 and 24. But if you believe, you receive. And in fact, that verse says, believe you, it, it, the more proper translation in verse 24 there is, you believe you have received. Believe you have received. That's the way of seeing it. I think when we ask something according to his will, we know even before we ask, because we are going there based on his will, we have to believe that we have received it. We have, to re- we have to believe that because I'm asking according to his will, it is always a yes. So when I don't see it immediately, that's where the patience part comes in. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. But that scripture really does say, believe I have received it. Well, I clearly haven't. But look at it like this. Uh, you get a notice that uh, you've, You've, uh, you've inherited something. We've talked about this before. Most of this is review. That's fine. I'm trying to stir this stuff up. I think it's important at this season that we're in as a church. But you have inherited something. You've got the legal documents. Or you get a notice that a certain amount has been deposited into your account. You don't have that money in your hand. But it's yours. You have received it. You haven't seen a dime of it. What do you, what's, what's left to do? Appropriating it. It's legally yours. It belongs to you. It's your possession, but it is not, you don't have it in your hands. You don't see it yet. There is a key. You might have to punch in a certain code to access those funds. You might have to attend some kind of hearing to uh, uh, get your hands on what you've inherited, that sort of thing. But they are yours still. And these things are ours, our healing, our provision, all the promises of God, anything he's revealed to you that is yours. And if we know we have those things, if these things are ours, we pray, Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. You have said in your word that you are my healer. You have said that that you've taken all my diseases and you laid them on Jesus Christ in the form of those stripes. Therefore, because of that, I am asking you for a healing in my body, in the body of my child. And I'm claiming this healing by faith. I believe I've received it in Jesus' name. Now, we might not feel it immediately. Praise God when we do. Our child might not exhibit a a lack of symptoms immediately. Praise God when they do. But when they don't, we still know we have received it. And if we know we've received it, 
If somebody calls you and says, hey, I just deposited $10,000 in your bank account today, what are you going to say? Thank you. No, you're not. You're going to say, I'll believe it when I see it. No, you're not. You're going to say thank you, right? You're not going to say, oh, well, well, I'll go down and see if it's there. And when I have the money in my hand, you'll get a note of thanks or I'll call you back and say thank you. No, if this is somebody you know, somebody you trust, no reason they would call you other than to tell you the truth. You're going to say thank you as soon as you hear the word. The appropriate, re- the appropriate response when we know we have received, even if we haven't seen it yet, is to thank him for it. And that is why a lot of our faith-filled prayers sound like that or should sound like that. Thank you, Lord, that I am healed. You're saying that. Why? Because you need to experience the healing. You need to appropriate the healing. But you're not asking him to do something he hasn't already promised. In fact, you're not asking him to do something he hasn't already provided. You're thanking him for it, and that is an expression of the faith that needs to be there. And for this to be real, for this to be effective, it really requires a constant or regular soaking in the word of God. I can't stress this enough. You need to be regularly hearing the word, feeding on the word, so that that's what comes out of you when there is a trial, when there is a manifested need, so that you're not scrambling to find something, some verse or some passage that you can apply to a crisis situation. You really won't be in faith. Soaking in the presence of God, the presence of Christ. This also starts with the word. Spend regular time in the Gospels, not just to puzzle through the passages. You know, there are some tough passages. I find them all the time. These are the words of Jesus. It should be clear. It should be immediate what it means. And sometimes i got to scratch my head and pray about it and cross-reference and stuff. But not just for that. But you spend time in the Gospels, you really get to know Jesus. And you fall in love with him all over again. Also, in praise and worship. That's what's so important about the time we spend at the beginning of these services. But this shouldn't be all of our praise and worship. Also, in prayer. This is how we soak up the presence of God. Get to know him so that we're, we're not feel. Boy, most of you have experienced this. The dry seasons in your life that you have to take credit for. Whether you got busy, whether you got tired, whether you just got lazy or what, and you didn't. You, you go days or weeks even without uh, spending time in the Word devotionally. I'm not talking you skip church, but you're not spending any time at home, any of your time with God. And then suddenly you go to pray and you feel like you're talking to a stranger. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I've experienced this, Okay. Two people know what I'm talking about, and everybody else has a regular walk with God. I am so grateful to God to be pastor of a mature congregation, except for me and the other two people uh, that raise their hands. But if you get, if all of Jesus that you get is an hour and a half on Sunday mornings and an hour on Wednesday nights, it will not be enough. It is not enough to prepare you for the trials that life will throw at you. Okay, it's like you're, you are not going to get strong. You are not going to stay healthy on two meals a week. Okay, but it's not just the trials either. Sometimes we get so focused on keeping our heads above the water. You know, look at all the people that have been hospitalized and attacked just here in this church over the past few weeks. Uh, that uh, you know, sometimes when the crisis is past, we are still in the habit of only thinking about and only praying about our needs. 
But number one, it's not just our needs because, again, Jesus talks about our desires. And we're instructed to pray for so much more than our own stuff. Our needs, our desires. No, what about other people? Remember what Gary Crow was talking about uh, a couple Sundays ago, that great uh, message Sunday night about how pray for these first. Pray for leaders. Pray for those in authority. Pray for others, okay? There's so many situations and people that we are commanded to pray for. Uh, and yes, you know, we pray for the people and situations that Scripture commands us to. Uh, but ultimately, what's the takeaway? We pray for and we claim and we thank him for the things he has promised, not just to us, but for these other people too. But we also hear God. We hear from him. We let him speak to us. We let him lead us to pray for specific other things. He can do that. You can't just say, well, I didn't see anything in Scripture about that, so I can't pray it. God can speak to you. He'll guide your steps through the day. He'll certainly guide your prayer life, and that's one of the things that is so valuable about praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues. But in in that process, we allow him to plant the right desires so that things, whatever we desire when we pray, God has planted those desires in us, and that causes us to pray boldly, causes us to pray expectantly, faith-filled prayers for those things too. Now, Here's how I want to wrap up this message. You don't have to stand up, but look around the sanctuary. We looked around the sanctuary last week for, for a different reason. But look around. We have a little bit of space in here, don't we? I, I may be alone in this, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that at least me and the other two people that raised their hand a minute ago would like to see this place full. I would, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Leave everything aside for just a moment. That is my desire. I would rather be preaching to a full room right now and on Sunday mornings. Why? I promise you from the bottom of my heart, it's not so I could feel like a big shot. It's not so I can say I preached to 500 people tonight. I promise you as, as, to the, as deeply as I know myself. I know God knows better. God knows me better. But uh, as honestly as I can tell you, that's not my heart. My heart is, we're going back to what we're looking at in Ephesians, on, Ephesians chapter 4 on Sunday mornings. If this place and my ministry is to equip believers to do the work of the ministry, I would rather 500 people be walking out these doors every Sunday and every Wednesday to do that work than 100 or 200. So, There's my desire, and there's my reason. I think it's a good reason. Can I pray in faith for that? Well, now we can look at some other things. I love reading the Psalms, and there's more than one where they just recount God's faithfulness down through history. God did this for us. His mercy endures forever. Then he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this, he did this. And it's the whole point of that is he didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't lift us up to let us down, like that song. Look at what God has blessed us with. Was God in this this church from the beginning? Was he in this building? Did he provide everything for this through you and through many others? But was it his provision? It absolutely was. Did he build this place, essentially? 
I believe with all my heart God did. Did he build this room with this capacity for this many people? I don't believe he did. I believe God has a bigger vision for this place than we're experiencing right now. Why, do you, why did he bless us with this? And there's, listen, I'm, I'm, I believe in prosperity. I'm, there, there's nothing shameful about having nice stuff. There's certainly nothing shameful about meeting in a nice place. But there's nothing, these aren't gold-plated railings or anything like that. There's nothing lavish here. It's nice, it's comfortable, it's efficient, right? It's a good place to have church. And I believe God blessed us with all of this to reach more people, to have a bigger effect than we're having right now. So when I pray, and what we're going to pray here in a minute, is for God to fill this place up. Well, are we ready for that many people? You know, we've been trying to get ready for that many people. I'm ready for just the people to show up, and we'll deal with it when we get here. We'll, all right? And what we're going to pray, and I'm just throwing these out as suggestions. Number one, ideally, who do we want coming in these doors? People who, are, who need to be saved, who need to hear, seekers, people with a spiritual hunger. Now, many of you, including me, were saved someplace else. And you began to hunger for the deeper things of God, for the full gospel, for the charismatic experience. So you landed in a church like this. But every pastor uh, has a touch of the evangelist in him. So I want to see people come here who need Jesus and everything else, okay? But I'm also thinking of people, you know, a lot of people move into this area for jobs. uh, and They land in St. Joe and people who are looking for a place to worship. I want them to find this place, all right? I want people who maybe are, and this is something we've got to be careful about, but there are people who love the Lord and who are dedicated, but who fellowship miles from here. And I want them to know there is a good, vital church right here. Not, I'm not trying to snipe people. I'm not trying to pick them off. But all things being equal, I would rather people... I mean, this is why many of you came here from other towns, because there was no other church like this. There's still no other church like this, all right? I mean, there are other charismatic churches. There are other, you know, faith churches. But there are, there are people now maybe, uh, who, of people that I know, who've got a heart for charismatic things, but they're, they're still attached to, uh, to another church through tradition or relationships. I want them to come here. And I'm okay praying with that, praying that. Do you know why? Because we've sowed into other congregations over the years. All right? And I've got no problem with other people coming. I, again, you know, I want them to do it right. And, and, and this isn't going to be the bulk of it. I want people who are, there are plenty of people even in this neighborhood to fill this room up. People who need Jesus or who need a deeper experience with Jesus. And when you invite people, when you talk about this church, be honest with them. But let's face it, because I, I continue to run into this. People are like, well, aren't you one of those churches? What have you, I, I mean, I heard I, this lady, this was years ago, but I remember uh, just having a conversation with a cashier at IGA. Didn't know who she was. But she said something about church, or she was having a con- uh, conversation. This was back when I was a youth pastor. And I said, have you, have you checked out Living Word? She goes, oh, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Why? She goes, you're one of those churches. I'm like, I want to watch. She goes, you know, like, bleh. She smacked herself on the head and went, bleh. I said, have you ever been there? 
Well, no. I said, why do you think we're like that? I would challenge you to come check us out. And she came, and we had one of those services. No, we didn't. We didn't. It was not like that. But I also think, hope you don't mind me telling this, when the Heinens first came here, Amanda had come in here with, with uh, uh, another gal, and they were just to ask questions about the church. And she sat there in my office and with her. She had some, man, I thought she was just kind of kind of saying, well, kind of tell me what's going on. She had some specific things to ask me, and it kind of put me back on my heels for a second. But here, I'm trying to sell her on the place, right? And, but she was telling me, and many of you have heard their testimony, you know, uh, Chris had basically told her, you find a place and I will go. Well, giving her a chance to pick it out. She said, he said, the only thing is, I don't want it to be, and he named a particular church because he, he'd had an unpleasant encounter with, with somebody from that church, and that's all I'll say about that. He said, I don't want it to be that church, and it can't be a church where they speak in tongues. <laughs> and here they've been faithfully coming for, for what, nearly three years now. So if somebody offers you that objection, have a conversation with them. What is it about tongues that bothers you or puts you off? Do you have a theological problem with it? Most of them don't. Most of them just think, well, it's not something I'm comfortable with. Uh, the only person I know who goes to a church like that is a weirdo. And um, say, just invite them. Say, you know what, do you think I'm a weirdo? And if they say yes, say, okay, never mind, conversation over. <laughs> but if this is a friend, somebody you, you've gotten to know at work, your neighbor, whatever, say, do me a favor, come with me. Come check this out. I promise you'll never meet a, a more relatively normal group of people, a nicer group of people, a more welcoming group of people than Living Word Family Church. And I believe you're going to hear something that will change your life like it changed mine. We've got to be bold enough to at least say that, don't we? Make our invitations real. We've got to be excited about it if we want other people to try this. And I want them in here. The bottom line is this. I am utterly convinced that God wants more people in this church. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I want more people in this church. And I am persuaded that you want more people in this church. So you're agreed with me. We're agreed with God. So we can pray in faith, right? Now, here's where we can do the if it be thy will thing. Only in this one narrow area. God, you know who belongs here. We don't. For sure. We might have some good ideas. And we can say, God, bring me across the path of the right people. We tell him what we want. We tell him why we want it. But we don't tell God how to do his job. We say, God, we have this need. And your word says that you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to buy a lottery ticket and I need you to make me win. No, you don't tell him how to meet the need. You just claim the provision, right? So we tell him, this is our desire, and we desire it, Lord, because we believe you've planted that desire in us, because you built this place. You'll hear the prayer here in a minute. But Lord, we're not telling you who to bring, and we're not telling you how to get him here. We are availing ourselves to be used by you any way you see fit, and mean it when you say that. But then trust him for it, and then every time, and if you want to during this prayer, by the way, this is where we can get a little charismatic, walk around this place, touch some chairs. Thank you, Lord, for the person that's going to be sitting in these chairs every Sunday. Thank you, Lord, for a full house on Wednesday night. You can go up there in the balcony if you want. I'm not going to pray super long, so if you're going to go up there, go right up there. But let's fill this place with faith, and then every time you drive by, every time you, th- you think of church, 
offer up what? A thank you. Just like you do for your healing. Just like you do for anything else you're standing for. You are not just praying for this church. You are praying for the souls that are going to be saved because of this church. It's important. This is eternal business we're praying about. Amen? Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.